Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. Good morning. It's great to be with you this morning. If you don't know me, my name is Josh. Uh, I'm one of the vicars here at the St George's team. Uh, And you might see me on a Sunday morning, but most of the time, um, I spend my time down the road at a church on Ball Lane called Holy Trinity, uh, and we are looking to build a community of people that are passionate about connecting their faith with their working lives. Uh, so if you work in the city centre or you're ever around, do uh, come and say hi and come and get involved in what we're doing. Uh, but it, it's really exciting that we're looking at this series called Growing on the Frontline, something I'm really passionate about through the ministry I do at Holy Trinity, Uh, but it's something that connects with all of us. As Eve reminded us last week, each one of us has a front line, a place that we spend our days, uh, that we spend most of our time. Most of us uh, don't spend our time here in this building, do we? Most of us spend our time uh, doing other things, doing work, Uh, looking after people, looking after things. Uh, Work is not just about paid employment. Uh, So we're going to be thinking together about what it means to grow as disciples of Jesus where we are. But should we start by uh, praying to God and asking him to speak to us this morning? Heavenly Father, as we think together this morning about the choices that each one of us make in our day-to-day lives. We pray that you would be speaking clearly to us. We pray that you would convict us, that you would encourage us. Above all, we pray that we would hear your word to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, as I said, we are in the middle of a series, Growing on the Front Line. This is a, a resource that's been developed uh, by an organization called the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity. Quite a mouthful. Um, LICC is often used uh, for short. Uh, and if you were here last year, uh, we had a visitor from LICC called uh, Ken Benjamin, who got us uh, thinking about what it means to live out our faith in the places that God has sent us day to day. And an image that really uh, stuck with me from when we had Ken with us uh, was a picture of dots. I don't know if you remember it. If you're here, you might remember it. Um, but I've, I've got these pictures on the screen this morning, I think. Uh, so this, this first picture is a representation of what we are doing uh, this morning. Uh, there are some statistics that reckon there's about 5 to 6% of the British population Uh, that regularly or weekly attend an act of worship, uh, a Christian act of worship, I should say. Um, And so actually, uh, what we do together on a Sunday morning looks a little bit like this. We come together as Christians, uh, we encourage one another. As Eve said last week, this is kind of like a half-time team talk. Uh, But actually, if you look at it, um, we're we're not very effective like that, are we? Uh, We're a little bit off in the corner, It's hard for us to be people that are influencing uh, this wider grid. And I think often we think, when we think about discipleship and growing as Christians, uh, we very quickly go to this picture. We think that growth and discipleship happens here. 
It happens when we listen to sermons. Uh, it might happen if we feel particularly inspired, uh, that we start developing a pattern of prayer in our weekly lives. Uh, but for many of us, we often think that discipleship happens here. But as Ken was encouraging us last year, uh, this is, uh, can we have the next picture? Uh, this is actually what most of our lives look like. Uh, most of us uh, are not gathered together in this building all the week long. Most of us are sent from here uh, to be God's church uh, throughout the city of Leeds and beyond. And actually, if you look at this, there is much more room for influence. There is much more room for growth. And I would suggest that it's actually here in this dispersed picture that our real growth as disciples of Jesus happens. This might be a useful space to come and to gather and to be equipped, but it's often in those difficult choices we have to make on a Wednesday morning. I don't know about you, I found Wednesdays always the worst. It's kind of not the beginning of the week, it's not the end of the week. It always feels like hard work. But it's in, the, it's in those choices that we grow as disciples. So last week, Eve was encouraging us to think about how we are growing as disciples on our front lines, on the places that we spend our day-to-day -day lives. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I really like the idea of growing on my front line. I really like this idea that um, I'm going to be changed and grow as a disciple in my day-to-day -day life. Um, and I come away from a sermon like last week, and I have tons of ideas of what I'm going to do with it. Uh, and then the week happens to me. Um, and I come up with this really good idea that I'm going to pray on the bus, uh, and then my three-year-old is up all night, and actually, it's just much easier to listen to music and potentially to nod off. I did actually fall asleep in the morning on the bus recently. I really like uh, the idea of taking seriously my discipleship in day-to-day -day life, uh, but very often, my life just feels so busy uh, I, I can barely make sure I've got enough pairs of clean pants, let alone figuring out how I'm going to grow and be intentional in my growth as a disciple of Jesus. Life is busy, and it is hard, and for some of us, it is really full-on a lot of the time. And actually, uh, finding space to reflect and to think about how we're growing is difficult. And that's what we're going to think about today. We're going to think about choices, the choices that we each make in our day-to-day -day lives that shape and grow us as disciples. Uh, can we have the next picture up, please? Uh, does anybody know what this game is? You might show your age by admitting this. Anybody know? Shout out if you know what it is. It's the game of life. Dan, very good. Did you read it on the screen? Uh, does anybody want to admit to owning a copy of this game? Alice has got a copy of the game. I did, you know, I actually asked uh, the St. George's staff team if anybody had a copy that they could lend me for this sermon, and nobody did. Perhaps the game of life uh, is going out of fashion. Um, I used to really love playing this game um, as a child. I don't know why. It was quite an, it's quite an interactive game, lots of 3D features. Uh, but it also was it's quite a fun idea. I don't, if you ever played it, the idea is something like this. You, you start off the game of life, and you have to make all these decisions. Should I go to university? Should I get an apprenticeship? Uh, should, we have, should, should I get married? Should I have children? Uh, should I take out house insurance or not? These are the kind of decisions that you have to make in the game of life. 
And, and you either end up at the end really kind of flourishing, a high-powered lawyer uh, with six children living in a mansion, uh, or you end up completely destitute because you didn't buy house insurance and then your house set on fire or something like that. Um, but I think when we think about making choices as disciples of Jesus, uh, very quickly uh, we, we gravitate towards these kind of game of life choices, the big decisions that we make. Should I take that job or that job? Um, should I uh, move to this country or not? Should I accept this promotion or not? And, and don't hear me wrong, God is in those choices. Uh, we, we need to bring those choices before God in prayer. But it's actually, I think, uh, in the more mundane choices that we make uh, that we really find what it means to grow as disciples. And actually, it's sometimes choices that we have to make in response to things uh, that happen to us. About 18 months ago, we became uh, a family of five, um, this is why I look tired and dishevelled much of the time. Um, but I did, actually, I did actually look quite tired and dishevelled before having children. Uh, but I like to blame them uh, for this look. Um, but when you're, when, if, if you have a very busy family life, uh, you're faced with difficult choices all the time. Uh, should I let the baby cry, or should I clean up my toddler who's wet herself? Um, should uh, my five-year-old, whose Lego model really needs finishing, take priority over that conversation with my wife uh, that we haven't, we've been putting off for days and days. Uh, these decisions are daily, and they feel trivial, uh, but it's in these decisions that we make choices about who we are as a family. Uh, and it will be the same for you. There will be trivial decisions that you make every day uh, that will make a difference to who you are and the things that you care about. So I'm going to reflect on three things that are going to help us to think about our choices, the choices we make and the ways these form us as disciples. Uh, so the first point is this. Our choices reflect the things we care about. They reflect our values. Let's take a look at our reading now. Uh, we heard in our reading from Act 6, uh, the early church grappling with some very difficult choices. The church had expanded rapidly. Uh, this is not too many chapters on from the day of Pentecost when many believers were added to their number and the church grew enormously. And so in the midst of this growth, the early church is faced with a community that has many different people from many different cultures and many different nations. And they were faced with this really difficult problem that there were more vulnerable people in their community than they knew what to do with. Uh, there, were too many, there were so many widows and people that needed care uh, that they couldn't care for them all faithfully. And we also see in the passage there, there's some cultural tensions going on. Uh, Luke, the author of uh, the book of Acts, tells us that there is a tension that has arisen between uh, the Hebraic Jews and the Hellenistic Jews. We don't need to worry too much about all the details for our purposes this morning. Uh, but this uh, essentially is a, a kind of traditional uh, Jewish community and a more progressive, a more contemporary uh, Jewish community. And they have different approaches to thinking about uh, caring for the vulnerable. Um, and this brings itself to a head uh, when 
the Hellenistic Jews, uh, the Greek Jews, the more progressive Jews, uh, confront the Hebraic Jews and say, why are you not caring for our widows? You're only caring for your own widows. But in essence, I think the, the, the problem, the choice that the early church are facing is, is a question of whose culture will take priority in this place. Who will care for the vulnerable and how will they do it? And the leaders of this community have to make some difficult decisions about how they're structured as a community to allow for the things they care about. When I, when I first read this passage, when I first studied this passage in, in depth, I was a little taken aback by the response that we found uh, from the apostles. Um, I think probably where I would go to if I was looking at this is to say, right, well, let's come up with a really good plan of action. Uh, let's kind of distribute the workers so that we can make sure all the uh, people in need are being met. Well, let's make sure we have a detailed list of what everybody needs. But actually, the apostles' response is to say, it is not right that we should neglect the word of God to wait on tables. I, thought I, was, I was really taken aback by that response. It feels almost like a callous response to the need that they are facing as a community. So, so why is this the response of the disciples? Why is this the response of the apostles? Now, I don't think for one minute that the leaders of the early church are saying that caring for the vulnerable is not a crucial part of who they are as a community. But they recognize that the needs that they're facing um, have meant that they could very quickly neglect something which is crucial to who they are. They see that they are not merely a social organization that gives out care to the vulnerable. Uh, they need to make sure uh, that prayer and worship is at the heart of who they are as a community. And so the decision that they make is to, uh, to essentially provide some kind of structure to their church. They decide that some of the apostles will devote themselves primarily to prayer and worship and teaching, and that will free others up to focus on caring for the vulnerable. Now, as a church community at St. George's, we also have to make difficult decisions as a community. We, we've just had our vision and gift uh, weekends not so long ago, um, and there are things that we will prioritize as a community for seasons of time. Uh, these things will uh, change over time, um, and ultimately, there's no way that we can uh, uphold as a community every, everything that everybody cares about all of the time, and that will be true of any community that we're part of. What, we're, what we strive to do is to discern what we think God is calling us to be. And I know that this um, is true for me on an individual level as well. Actually, we are faced all the time with competing responsibilities and demands. I think sometimes we think uh, of choices uh, a little bit like, should I spend time in prayer or binge watch another season on Netflix? Now, that might be a choice that we make very often, but that's not the choice the early church was faced with. Uh, the, the, the choice the early church was faced with was, should I, should I prioritize seeking God in prayer or caring for the vulnerable? And they tried to find a way uh, to do both. 
I know for me, one of the choices that I make, uh, that I try and make each day, is I know that if I don't get on the bus at 26 minutes past four uh, from outside Holy Trinity, uh, that, that I will not sit down and have dinner with my family before they go to bed. Uh, and for me, uh, that's a choice uh, that I try and choose every day, uh, that whatever's happening, however chaotic things are getting, uh, whatever that pastoral situation that rears its head at quarter past four may be, um, I will be sat on that bus at 26 minutes past four because that is something that I care deeply about. I want to be uh, the kind of father that uh, my kids remember being at dinner time rather than being at church all the time. There are choices that uh, each one of us will have to make in our daily lives. And the, the thing that I want us to see this morning is that we do make choices. I think one of the biggest lies we can tell ourselves is that our lives are set in motion and that everything that happens just happens. But we make choices every day. And the choices that we make reflect the kind of things we care about and they change the kind of people that we are becoming. And so as people that want to grow in fruitfulness, the question we have to ask ourselves is do our choices create space for growth? Is God in the midst of the choices that we make? I recently heard a story from one of the LICC resources of a mum who um, was really passionate about uh, building community on the school run, about trying to create community and um, to be able to invite some of the other parents to her church. Um, but she realized that at the school gates, and I can relate to this from uh, my experience at the school gates, um, everybody is in such a rush that no one has any chance to talk to each other. Um, so what she decided to do uh, was to try walking more slowly. <laughs> a really simple choice. Uh, she said, I'm going to walk very slowly, um, and then I'm going to talk to anybody who will make eye contact with me. Um, and actually, she found that she was able to build um, much deeper relationships. She was able to have conversations with people uh, that were available. But the choice that she made uh, was a very simple one. Now, it might have had consequences. It might have meant that her working day started half an hour later, which might have meant that it start, finished half an hour later. But this was a choice that she made uh, because she felt that God was calling her to build community in the midst of that school. A really simple choice that helped her to grow. So let me ask you this. Do your daily choices reflect the things you care about? That might be something to think more about over this next week. Here's our second point about uh, choices. Uh, we can most of the time, make different choices than the ones we've made. Let's look uh, quickly back at our story from the book of Acts. We, we saw in that passage that uh, the early church saw what the problem was, uh, and they decided that they had to do something to address it. They recognized uh, that they needed to change something about how they were operating in order that they would continue to grow into the community that they felt called to be. And, the, and as we saw, the leaders effectively put into place a structure which would allow them to do the things that they cared about, 
But above all else, it would allow them to prioritize uh, the focus on God as the center of who they were as a community. Now, this passage um, doesn't say this, um, but I think we can make quite a reasonable assumption from the passage. Um, And I think it's this, that in making this choice, the early church were able to care for the needs of the vulnerable better afterwards than before. What we do know in the passage is it says uh, that as a result of these decisions, the church grew. The church grew because they prioritized the Holy Spirit in the midst of their community. And I think actually, even though they might have pulled back from some of those uh, immediate needs, the apostles might not have waited on tables, I think it's fair to assume uh, that because they grew, they were actually able to cater better for their vulnerable because of the way that God had grown um, their community. And I think uh, in our own lives, it's important to recognize that we do very often have choices um, to make. Uh, There are very often things that we can do that can shift uh, these these choices that we've made and that can better reflect our values. Now, I don't don't know about you, I have the kind of personality that sometimes uh, hears a challenge like this and says, right, that's it. I'm getting up at 4 a.m., going for a swim, going to have an hour of contemplative prayer, uh, and then I'm going to walk around the block, uh, do the kids' breakfast, get on the bus, go to church. I'm going to do that every day, uh, and the world is not going to know what's hit them uh, when they've seen this lean and prayerful uh, man of God in front of them. Um, and then I get to day three of my new regime, and I'm so exhausted uh, that I just completely give up. Um, I don't know if you're like that. My personality is a bit like that. Um, but actually, if that's what we think about when we think about shifting our choices... Uh, I can tell you this, uh, that will not be a sustainable means of growing on your front line. It will not be a sustainable means of growing as a disciple of Christ. We have to think about uh, the small, uh, the things that seem trivial, those decisions that we make, that can shift something. Shift something. For me, sometimes, uh, one of the things that I've um, started to try and do, and it, it sounds very simple, but it makes a big difference, is... Uh, to take off my headphones on the bus. Um, Most of my day is filled uh, with noise, with conversation, uh, with doing things. Um, And that act of just uh, being in the moment, of being still, being open uh, to what God might be saying, perhaps being open to the person who sits next to me and wants to have a conversation, um, for me, that is a way of creating space in my daily life uh, for prayer but also uh, a moment when I'm not doing something. So I'm going to have a quick conversation now with two people. Don't worry, I've primed them, so they've been thinking about this this week, um, who are going to tell us a little bit about some of the choices they've made on their front lines. So if I could ask um, Alice and Miriam um, to come to the front, uh, we're going to have a quick chat to them. Do you want to come up? Thank you very much. Um, so thank you for coming up. Um, so do you want to start off by telling us, uh, if you both want to tell me who you are, uh, and what, what does your front line currently look like? Hello. 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 
Uh, I'm Alice, and my front line, as you might be able to see, has changed recently. Um, so I think previously I found a lot of my identity and also a lot of opportunity in work, uh, which I have paused from uh, now. So I think my front line now, I mean, I'll answer them a bit in the next question. Uh, but there's a lot of opportunity in like mums groups, and as a mum, you go on a lot of walks, uh, which is a lot of chats. So there's definitely opportunity there. Um, so yeah, I think that's where I'm at right now. Great. Since you started, why don't you keep telling us? Um, so the next question is, um, can you tell us a story about a choice that you've recently had to make uh, that has impacted your Christian faith? Uh, yeah, so that's kind of the frontline element that came to mind initially when Josh asked me to think about this. Um, and there is some cool stuff happening there. Um, but recently, I think I felt God prompt me to consider Elsie as a frontline, um, as a valid uh, person to be influencing. <laughs> um, so while like mum's groups are a great sphere of influence, actually she is not going to tell anyone if I've been a great disciple. <laughs> She's not going to tell anyone uh, that I brought uh, peace and joy <laughs> to a nappy change. Um, but that's what I felt God is really calling me to do. Um, there's a verse, uh, I think in Isaiah, that says you should go out with joy and be led forth with peace. And I felt like God was really saying, this is what you need to be doing in your day-to-day -day with Elsie. And so that looks like the choice to be joyful when she's like poodle up her back. <laughs> uh, and it looks like bringing peace when she is refusing to have a nap for like the fifth attempt that day. <laughs> um, and so it's actually like you were saying about the kind of small uh, insignificant seeming choices actually like that stuff is significant and we're building in her hopefully an appreciation of what God is like and so that stuff is significant and important even though it's very difficult <laughs> to be joyful when she's pooed on you <laughs> tell you that yeah thank you that's a really powerful a really powerful example um, particularly I think I like the unexpected element of it I think that's really powerful. That's not what you were expecting to find when you looked for something. Yeah. Um, and that will bring us nicely onto what I'm going to say next, so that's very good. Um, Miriam, do you want to tell us uh, who you are, what is your front line at the moment? Yeah, so hi everyone, I'm Miriam. Um, so I uh, am a researcher up at the University of Leeds. Great. Um, that was very quick. Thank you. Um, and Miriam, tell me, same question that I asked Alice, um, tell me a little bit about a choice that you might have had to make recently how that shapes you as a disciple? Yeah, so research um, at the postdoc level can um, be quite an independent role, it has to be said. You're kind of working on a, on a project, um, and you are the only one who is, who is doing that. Um, but we work in labs, and we work in an office. However, our uh, shared office space went from about 12 people to two in the past six months, which is quite dramatic. Um, and I was finding that it was actually really difficult to get community at work, um, and I was really praying into this, and at the beginning of the year, I felt God just say to me, be present, just be in the office, um, and so I kind of said this to Josh, I was like, I'm, I maybe not be at Holy Trinity as much, um, because I just feel like actually I need to be there um, during the working day um, instead of working remotely or, you know, uh, enjoying the community down the road. And I noticed when I was doing this um, that the one other person who shares the office space, she would come in around 9 and 10 and have a coffee. And if I was in the office between 9 and 10, we would make coffee together and we would talk. And then as those conversations happened day after day, 
found out that actually, like, we would talk about faith. So she's a Muslim, and we talk about actually what faith is to her, and then what faith is to me. Um, and they're actually really beautiful conversations, and it's a worthwhile friendship that's, that's developed um, and kind of gotten us both through um, this very strange period at work. That's great. Thank you, Miriam. So thank you. Can we give a round of applause to both Miriam and Alice? Thank you. I really like um, the story of Miriam that says, I'm going to come, go to church less so that I can spend more time with my colleagues. I think sometimes you, we might be afraid to say that, uh, especially to a vicar. Um, but actually, Miriam said that to me this week, and I said, uh, can you say that at the front of church? I think sometimes it's really good to hear uh, that permission, that actually uh, we are the church. Miriam is no less the church when she steps outside of Holy Trinity uh, than she, when she's at the university. And that's really important to see. Um, so the last thing we're going to look at, and Alice has already kind of picked up on this, uh, is thinking a bit about the role of prayer and reflection in seeing the choices that we've made. Um, so when I looked back to Acts 6, I, I noticed two things about how the disciples made this decision. Uh, the first thing is that they made this decision um, together. They were a community uh, that gathered together, particularly the leaders of this community, and they asked the question how they could be uh, more fruitful and how they could grow as a community. And I think the same is true uh, for us. Um, and I think this is, a, a, is, is particularly true if we're in a position where uh, we feel uh, trapped by our own choices. We feel trapped by our own lives. Um, sometimes uh, the simple act of uh, bringing something before someone else, a trusted friend, uh, or a small group, or a mentor, um, can really bring a different perspective on the choices that we've made and help us to see things uh, from a different perspective. Even if all they ask is, why on earth are you doing that? <laughs> and sometimes that kind of question can really unlock something about um, how we approach our lives. Uh, but secondly, the early church uh, make these decisions prayerfully. They make their decisions uh, before God. And I wonder if, um, for some of us, we might have uh, made this, uh, we, we might have thought that actually um, making decisions before God, a bit like back to this game of life kind of decisions, happens even for the really serious stuff. Um, or it happens, it's just the kind of thing that I do in church. It's just um, this kind of, there's a kind of religiousness to, uh, to making decisions. But actually, I think we need to hear that, that God cares about how we spend our bus journeys. And God cares about uh, how you spend your time with your grandchildren. God cares about how you conduct yourself in the workplace and the relationships that you build there. God cares about each aspect of our lives and invites us uh, to, to be with him in the midst of these places. A practice that the church has been using uh, for many, many centuries that has helped them to think about this um, is the practice of uh, the examine, which was, um, uh, originates from the 16th century um, Catholic priest, St. Ignatius. And this prayer is often used at the end of the day, uh, and it invites us to see where God has been in the midst of uh, our busyness, in the midst of our day, and to pray that we might uh, choose differently um, and see what God is doing. Um, if, if you'd like to, um, 
take this away and think about it in your small group. Uh, I've got a few copies printed which you can get on the top of the piano over there. If they run out, don't worry, we'll put it on the website as well. Um, but you might want to go and use this sheet to help you to think about this. Um, so there are, there are four simple steps to the examine. Uh, but the first one is that we create a sense of stillness. We recognize that God is here in this present moment, and we ask him to guide our reflection. And the second one is thankfulness. We take time to notice the good things in our lives, especially the things that we might have missed that have happened throughout the day. And then the third one is uh, inspiration. We ask that the Holy Spirit would speak to us in the midst of this situation, in the midst of our life, uh, and, would, and would convict us of things that we need to change uh, and encourage us where he is already at work. And then lastly, uh, review. The examine prayer always asks us to think about uh, what we might do differently tomorrow in light of what we have heard. Thank you for listening to the St George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.